All right, hello. Welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. We are playing The Wondering Second Edition today, tonight, tomorrow, whenever the hell we are. And we are uh, continuing our Waking of Angmar campaign. And uh, class, uh, class, this is, this is what I do. Class, we have reached episode 40. We have turned 40. We are officially Yay. old. Our oh, cells are starting to degrade, and we're going to die. <laughs> All our hair is coming out uh, or going gray. And or going gray. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's basically it. But there's one good thing. There's one good thing about hitting 40. Do you know what that is? I wouldn't because I'm only like 23. But does anyone else know? <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us? Well, it's all of all of the stuff that is now being remade. It's your childhood being remade. So like that's all, true. you that's know, true. so it's all this stuff. So all I got to, I got to watch Willow. On Disney. <laughs> I heard it was good. Did you? Did you really? It was one person that told me. I don't trust him anymore after this response. <laughs> I'm not a hater. Like, you know, I'm a very positive person when it comes to this kind of stuff. I tend to be very forgiving and, and open-minded, but I have not liked Willow so far, and it makes me sad. We'll see. We'll see. Like, I think I was far more... I think I was far more positive than most folks we know about Rings of Power, for instance, and things like that, but... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I felt like talking about Willow, but I just felt like, hey, we're 40. That's crazy. We are 40. <laughs> and we're celebrating 40. Yeah. And we we are, I mean, like, if you think about it, every episode we do is between two and four hours. So let's say two and a half, right? That means we've produced, think about that now, like, what? Something in the neighborhood of like... 100 hours. 100 hours. Yeah. Yeah. You're a little faster than me. You're just, it's because you're young. It's because you're young. <laughs> Um, and a year and yeah. it's been over a year and it's been over a year uh when we started this i did not know if it was going to go this long i was actually i'm actually surprised this doesn't it. feel like it's been a year it though. doesn't no no uh i remember our last very long campaign that felt like a year that felt like 10 years actually <laughs> and we all know what we're talking about except for maybe steven but i think steven could probably could probably could probably guess uh but no uh we are and melissa's right we are celebrating we do have a wonderful new giveaway uh from our friends over at norse foundry i'm sure eric will pop in at some point uh but we are giving away another set of dice so throughout the month of uh of december we're giving away six total sets of dice we've given away two so far uh, and we're on to our third and we're giving away tonight we're giving away this uh, polyhedral set of uh, of the bifrost die you can see there's this sort of like kind of oilish like effect like this little discoloration it's pretty cool and in addition to the polyhedral we're also giving away uh we're also giving away a boulder which is a giant golf size you know golf ball size d20 uh matching in this case uh to the to the set as well so we're giving that stuff away uh and uh yeah it's uh it's pretty it's pretty fun uh, so we're not going to do it right in the beginning because if we do it right in the beginning, then you leave and uh, I'll feel <laughs> terrible about myself. And so we'll uh, we'll wait until somewhere along the way in the middle. And uh, yeah, we'll throw it out. I don't anticipate this being a particularly long session, but uh, on Monday or something like that, I think I said in a holler, ma- a holler session, I was like, oh, we're definitely going to finish this chapter tonight. And we didn't finish. So I'm tired of nope. promising things. Nope. <laughs> we could go 10 hours. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so... Uh, here we go. Um, why don't we go ahead and do some intros as per usual? Uh, tell us your plan, uh, or uh, who? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
I guess I guess in the case of Stephen, uh, let us know uh, who uh, you walked off and killed uh, at the end of last session. So uh, we'll start with uh, Long. Long, tell us about your 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 fellow Floy here. Yes, trusty old Floy, the dwarven treasure hunter. He's had a little bit of a failures gathering some shadow scars as well. I think he's up to three. Uh, he's taken on a couple injuries. He's another scar there. He's still grabby at the treasure, grasping at his flaws. So he's got that going for him. And his trusty old steed root or beat. I, I you don't even know. know. Everyone, we always confuse beat and root because they're so <laughs> similar. They're such similar names. Uh, but yeah. Um, okay. Trusty Long steed. Long has beat because on our notes on our company page, it has more treasure. And I have root. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, I also like how you called it your trusty steed. Have you ever ridden that pony before? Or is it just there to for you to put treasure upon? <laughs> uh, probably in the early days when I didn't have too much treasure. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, do you would you say like in your travels back from Angmar, are you actually riding it, or are you uh, using it to more as like a like a cargo? Uh, yeah. uh, it's definitely cargo because I've even gotten more treasure. Nice, nice. Uh, I see Eric in chat. Eric, hey, we're doing a giveaway again. We got your Bifrost dice going. There's the there's the boulder. This thing's so huge. Uh, but we're doing Bifrost today. Uh, we was, what have we given away so far? I think we given away Black Lava the other day uh, on uh, Haunted did West, and we did Lycanthrope during Hunter. during Hunter. And so we're gonna do Bifrost because it made the most sense. We've been in the frosty lands of Angmar. It's winter time, so yeah. Can you win? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> I'll mail them back to you. Uh, okay, next up, <laughs> next up, we have Ashley. Ashley, tell us about Gilly. I'm playing Gilly Kettlegrass. She is our pre blood hobbit, and uh, she's pretty despondent at the moment, considering where we left. Uh, this was a really important thing that we failed to complete and accomplish. And um, she's realistic, and so she's not sure if Sorinder will be coming back, and, but she hopes he does. Um, yeah, she's that's that's kind of where Gilly's setting is. <laughs> she's just despondent and sad. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Sad Gilly uh, makes everyone sad, uh, but uh, but the good news is. Uh, is that Steven is still here. Uh, well, not that I say it like, like that. That's I kind of even sadder. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe his power will go out again and we'll lose something. No, not if we get lucky, I'm just kidding. I don't really mean that much. Uh, next up, Melissa, tell us about it, Renio. Uh, yeah, Ranger of the North champion. Um, convinced Marimbem and Talendil to join us in this uh, trek to Angmar for, you know, the greater good and got them both killed. Uh, so, yeah, lots of uh, bad feelings about that. Um, and destroyed the snowshoes in a completely useless attempt at uh, trap making. So got some people killed, destroyed some stuff, yelled at some friends. This was a uh, stressful adventuring phase. 
Indeed. Indeed it was. Uh, and then you all ditched the last guy who we're going to go ahead and, and, and let Steven introduce. You ditched him. You left him. Uh, I'm not sure if you all caught the way I phrased. I, I drop a summary for them of uh, what happened in the last session, usually the day of our session, so that they, they have it fresh in their minds, and I then share it with you all in a moment. There's a specific way I phrased the end of it that I don't know if anyone considered that maybe Sorendir didn't voluntarily leave the party. Maybe something else happened, and no one even entertained it. Go back and listen to the episode. All of you just assume he abandoned you. None of you thought at any point that maybe... Maybe he needed help, and it's too late for you all to go back now. So, uh, so Steven. regardless, he did need help. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> yes. tell us, uh, tell us about Sorendir. Sorendir is a uh, elf of Linden, warden of Eriador. Uh, he is known as Sorendir the Twice Broken. When we last saw him, he had his face covered in bandages from all sorts of scratches and scarring that happened to him. Uh, He was in a very despondent state, and his fellowship left him behind. So he might even be dead at this point. I might be playing a dead dead elf right now. Sorendir the uh, three times broken? Yep. Three times broken, yes. The thrice broken. So... I really, I really do find it interesting. If you actually go back and listen to that session, it just felt like no one ever entertained the thought because everyone, I think Meadow was coming to play like, oh, it's Steven. He's doing something. That's what it is. And no one well, entertained the thought. we also had that big argument beforehand. It's true. And uh, you also did see there was an ice drake that swooped down and quite easily snatched a wolf right off the ground i mean i have i did that to coder's character in in, in a game that you yes, know we won't mention you did. what and was that like a, it was an owl bear owl bear yeah owl bear mm-hmm. came in swooped him took him away one like, shot right in front of my character yeah and she was just like what the fuck and that character was so overtuned i didn't mean to kill him but i was okay with it once it happened i was okay now then he made an even my more favorite. overtuned character <laughs> My favorite quote from last session was uh, Long saying, Sorendir's my fellowship focus, and I left him behind. I don't know why you guys are still here. <laughs> <laughs> so real. So real. I don't know why this is a problem for you. It's no problem for me at all. So uh, let's get into the summary then. So the last time, uh, after after you fled the depths of Gol for the first time, uh, following the depths uh, the deaths of Marimbem and Talendil, you all recuperated in a nearby cave you found beaten root uh however you found during your recuperation that those grimy spores that you all had been breathing in had a near fatal effect on floy and gilly uh Sorindir seemed to shake it off but floy and gilly was not as easy uh, and if not perhaps for the pearl of calebrion it uh it might have been a lot worse fate for you all um the uh the next few days you spent there, I don't remember exactly how many, it was like two or three days you spent specifically in the caves uh, because you needed to recuperate. Uh, and it was it was sort of tense. I think you all were, were trying to decide what to do next, kind of reeling from the deaths of the, the Elder Rangers. Uh, but eventually you all decided to return to Othrangol, tried to go back inside. And so you descended in and there you found that those echoes of ice and grime, those those figures that would pop up every now and then they were still around and kind of populated in different places here and there had moved and reshaped in some place in some places uh and you also decided to send and kind of 
pushed into a different wing that you had been cut off from before. And before long, you heard the familiar sounds of the chains, that, that sort of dragging of, a, of, of the petrified tree limb, the hooves of that large elk figure, that elk rider, and you saw it once more with that kind of kind of creepy green-blue lantern uh, kind of being dragged along with it. This time, however, the, the tree limb did not just hold those ruined and, and bleached bones, but also the bodies of Marimbem and Talendil were affixed to it and were being dragged across the icy ground uh, of the dungeon. Floy, you charged in, and the otherwise oblivious elk rider turned to fight, and fight it did, uh, as it summarily kind of whooped your all asses. Not only that, but several echoes began to swarm once more, as you saw that strange kind of viscous mist uh, sort of erupt from the walls periodically and filled the room with more of those reinforcements. Uh, and you all decided at a certain point after it, it became pretty clear that this thing was a little bit stronger than you had anticipated, you retreated. Uh, and this time you like you kind of ran for it and you ran outside uh, and you started huddling in that cave once more. And this is where the argument for what to do next became even even more heated than prior. I think Soren Deer wanted to go back inside. Uh, he didn't believe that you had uncovered enough answers yet to figure out what or how to help the elves of Forland. Uh, Gilly and Arinio, I think, mainly were arguing to the re- to retreat to the Breelands, try to get reinforcements. Uh, Floy, well, he was there too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if he took a particular stance one way or the other. I think he was just sort of joining the, joining whatever side made the most sense at the time. Weather grew pretty harsh. And you all did see an ice strike once more sweep down and kind of make a meal out of this lingering white wolf that seemed to be tracking you all. Long last, you all decided to, to, to leave Angmar, and you tried to return with a, hopefully, one day, to return with a larger fellowship. But then at the base of the mountains, after a day or so of travel, uh, at night, Soren Deer disappeared without a trace. You found no uh, no tracks, uh, and all of you were sleeping, and Soren Deer just crept off. Uh, I think the presumption was that he had returned to Othran Gull all alone. You all didn't go check. Instead, you continued to to trek across the jagged plains of Angmar, and you began your journey back to the Breelands, leaving Sorendir behind to whatever fate I decide to, you know, give him sort of thing. Okay, so... So the no footprints to be found is because the mode of transport was above ground. Never thought, never occurred to you all. No. That he just got snatched up by this gliding. I mean, I showed it to you 10 minutes prior that's with the true. wolf. No that's, one picked it up. That's that's a shame. That's such a shame. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Uh, you all, with the exception of Sorendir, are making a long return trek from the sort of the southern mountains of, of Angmar, the hill, over the hills of Rudauer, uh, through uh, through various wilderness until you eventually reach the Greenway and back to the Breedlands. It's a very long trek. Uh, we're not going to do a full journey phase as it is just a return trek. However, I would like you all to kind of flavor a bit, if you wouldn't mind, something that happens. Uh, so we're going to take a page out of sort of Savage Worlds here. We've been playing a lot of Savage Worlds lately. We can do a little interludes. And each one of you, I would like to sort of just describe something that happens to you or to the group, to the three of you, as you're kind of crossing these dark, cold, desolate hills of Rudauer, occasional signs of some, some ruined keep 
or structure on a distant hill. Occasionally it looks like there might be tracks in the ground of some creature that happens to be traversing the similar valleys you are. So I want you all to think about what's some kind of setback or misfortune or an argument amongst yourselves or some kind of bad omen or sign that transpires on the way back as all of you came out to Angmar, a fellowship of six, and you are returning from Angmar, a fellowship of three. So, who would like to go first? I'll roll it if I need to. Uh, so, I would say that we are kind of been traveling for a while. It's been very dark in the areas that we've been traveling. And so, you know, one day we're, you know, kind of moving along with our, you know, kind of march and the, we just get a break in the clouds and the sun comes out and it seems like this is good. seems like this is good news. Um, and Arineal just sort of stands to take it in and kind of see it. any any little bit of warmth at this point is just uh, so well received um, and it's kind of one of those kind of sun peeking out of the clouds kind of things that almost seems to shine light in particular areas and what she sees as she sort of follows one of these kind of beams of sunlight down is a bush with some berries and she thinks back to Soren Deer being kind of hunter of berries and thinks that maybe this is uh, good tidings and maybe this is something useful and helpful for us. And so she kind of gathers the berries and kind of convinces everyone that this this is this must be good 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 portent and we should all uh, appreciate what we've found and of distributes the berries to everyone and since this is not intended to be a favorable um, interlude then that doesn't actually uh, sit well with us yeah I will say likely what, what happens is that you start you know people you're, you're looking for food you only have so many supplies maybe you've done some hunting on the way back and as you're trying to sort of supplement some of your food with these berries, eating a few from time to time, at a certain point, maybe a day or so later, Arineal, when you kind of reach into your pack and you you grab the berries themselves and you bring one to your mouth, you're alarmed to find that they are rotten through and through. You look into your pack, every single berry that you have collected, this huge bag of dozens and dozens of these berries has rot in some way. Not only that, but there are bugs and strange sort of grime just sort of swirling about in there. You can feel it move. It's like reaching your hand into this bag and you feel movement coming back. You dump it out and you can see interspersed with all the berries are these small little maggots that seem to be growing and like bursting out from within the berries themselves. Whether or not you consume some that were in such state prior, you don't necessarily remember, but seeing has the all they are all so bad, it just kind of creates this 
this nausea. It might be real, might be psychosomatic, but either way, there is this huge pile of these kind of reddish berries that as you dump them on the ground and they start to they start to swarm and move a bit, you can see the juice, like this reddish juice kind of bleed out of the berries onto the snow-covered grass. And it almost creates this huge kind of wet, bloody spot. As the memory of Sorendir goes through your mind, the berries, you look down, blood on blood on ice, and your stomach turning. Floy or Gilly? For Floy, he's pretty disheveled. Head hung down low, thousand yard stare. He's still speaking like Maribim, Talonville, and Sorndir are still in the party. Just occasional statements. Like, yeah, you're right, Sorndir. We're gonna make it. The only thought in his mind is really just getting home, getting down the mountain. He's not really upkeeping his appearance. His axe gathering rust. His beard frozen. His fingers pretty much just a walking icicle. One night, when you are kind of at the border between the jagged hills and mountains of Angmar and the more kind of rolling dark hills of Rudauer, you are... The three of you have been camping out. There's a fire. There's the embers of the fire keeping you warm. You basically need at this point. And you hear something that kind of wakes you up. And you hear... When you look over, you can see sitting across the fire from where you're laying is not Arineal, it's not Gilly, but instead you see this sort of dark silhouette, this kind of heavy cowled cloak, kind of hooded and covered. You see through the flames, which are kind of creating that sort of vaporous effect. So like whatever you're looking at has this kind of quality to it where it almost looks ephemeral in some way and you see that a person has a blade right between their legs point down into the ground and they have a sharpening stone and they're standing right across sitting right across from you see you're keeping your blade sharp and you, you see, as you ask that, the hand stops midway through. That's when you look over and you can see Arineal laying, sleeping, chest rising and falling. You see Gilly curled up a few feet from you, furs over top of her, same thing. You see your, your horses, your ponies, kind of the same thing as well. And this figure kind of just stops and you see them begin to stand and as they do you hear sounds of whispers once more like waft across the flame and as it do as it does you see like that those small tendrils of like orange and yellow and and red light from the fire begin to dim until the whole area of the campfire is now almost dark and all that remains is the tiny flicks of, of, of light down at the embers, the very, like the, the, 
kind of the rocks and the and the, and the few twigs and branches that you were using. But instead of that that kind of orange and yellow light, it's that same kind of green blue flame that starts to flicker. What do you do? Someone just watch him. Keep kind of just have his company. Okay. No voice comes back, but you can see as they stand, they're fairly tall. Uh, they're you know, elf or human, you would imagine. You don't see a face, you know, at all. And as you're, you know, as you're you're watching, you hear suddenly the sound of like in the distance this this howl. Instinctively, your head kind of moves over and kind of looks off in the direction as anyone might. And then you hear behind you by the fire the sound of something falling. When you look over towards the campfire, you see once the, the, the flickering of the flames is still very low, and you see that the sword has fallen to the ground and the snow and the, you know, sort of the rocks, the, the dirt on the other side, and it's just fallen to the ground. I'll go over to it. Go over. You look down. And you realize it's the Morgul blade that you had taken from the battlefield north of Eskerdale. That you nearly were killed by some wraith that attacked you, you think at least, in the woods west of the Blue Mountains that Arineal stole from you or kept for safekeeping. But here it is, outside of her pack, laying on the ground, and some figure was sharpening it at your camp. I'll just, I'll just sit by it and just stare at it all night. Morning will eventually come. Gilly, you're the first to wake between you and Arineal. Very little light on the horizon, but you can see enough that you can... You can kind of visualize the area. Fog, this icy cold fog, is just oppressive and you see Floy sitting at what is now a fire that has nothing to it it's just the kind of blackened remains there's no flickering flames there's a bit of smoke kind of coming up from it and he's just sitting on the ground and right next to him or do you have it in your hands Floy one of the two is the Morgul Blade Floy why do you have that it was being sharpened and I found it laying upon the ground you were sharpening it no I wasn't sharpening it have you seen my weapon I haven't been upkeeping anything Gilly Gilly, roll a scan test really fast Uh, great success the blade looks freshly sharpened. Like you, you look at it, and you've seen it. You guys have seen this before. It's kind of a dark, grimy blade, but you look at it, and you can. It still looks the same. The hilt, the design of it, is definitely the same. But it's been sort of dark and kind of covered in ash or shadow or something. It, it just, it just looks worn. But for the first mm-hmm. time, the blade itself looks sharpened. It looks like the the underlying metal is starting to peek through whatever is kind of covering it. And not only that, but you see in the ground, just a foot or two away from where Floy is sitting, 
there is a half-buried sharpening stone. Floyd, the sharpening stone is right there. I'm to believe someone else came into camp and just sharpened this for you? Oh, now you don't believe in me. You've been peculiar about this blade before. Surely you can't fault me that. It's true, but it's, I haven't touched it all night. I've been staring at it. Even being in close proximity to it is not good for you. It's, it's been in our possession this entire journey. Yes, and and you had your moment of of bizarreness where you stole it and and Arineal had her moment where she was yelling at me about things out of my control I thought we were past that if you don't want this near me just take it away I refuse to touch it and at that point Arineal, uh, Gilly will wake up Arineal yeah. what what can you can you put the blade back in your pack please the blade is in my pack. No, it's not. What do you mean it's not in my pack? What? Why? Why is it there? Floyd, why is it there? It was sharpened. Why, why, why were you sharpening this? Warnings come. I will not squabble with this sword. I... Just, I just put it in your, your pack, pardon, please. You're going through my bag. You have treasure abound you will not believe me anyways I try me you, you you did not sharpen it I certainly did not of course not have you seen my wares then who a, a shadowy figure I did not get his features Did not think to warn us. There was no danger. I, um, I, just flabbergasted. Where we just came from, all, all brings danger. It seems you've rested well, so there was no danger. I, and Arinia will just sort of wrap the blade back thoroughly and just bury it into her bag which is getting lighter and lighter as we're losing well actually the when oh. you put it into your pack you 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 kind of like recoil in horror as the bottom of your pack is filled with berries rotten bloody berries small little bugs maggots things swarming about and you can see it's actually starting to stain the leather of your pack, the cloth. What? What? What is going on? I dumped... Did, did, did we not all dump out all of our berries? These... We're not here. I had no more. I, I did as soon as you told me to. As... As did I. I... I do not understand. We must not have slept as well as we thought. 
And like Gilly's cold, like very, very cold. So she's she's taking the time, like after she woke up a renial to try and strike this fire back up. And she doesn't get very much, just like a little, little bit that she's sitting closely next to as she's trying to like warm up her hands. Gilly, as you're doing that, you like you hear Erniel kind of trying to clean her pack out. Floy is kind of getting his things ready. You're trying to get the fire going so you can have some food before you set off for the day. And again, you hear the sounds of that crackling ice. It just sort of assaults your ears all of a sudden, extraordinarily loud. Like you're standing beneath a cliff that is suffering from an avalanche. It echoes within your ears. And she's still drowsy enough to where she reacts kind of violently to the sound, uh, where she dives out of the way, like you said, where she thought maybe she's in the way of an avalanche. And he goes, watches Gilly, just launches herself into the snow. She flips over and she looks up to see what's coming at you guys, at us. And she doesn't see anything. But she's covering her ears because it's so loud. What What? What are you hearing? Do, do, do you not hear the the crackling? The the, the mountain, it, it, it there may be, uh, it might be a landslide. Uh, and everybody will stop and listen. No. It's so loud, it's so loud, it's so loud, it's so loud. I'm so tired of hearing it. We, we must make haste. We must exit this area. It, continues to affect us so so you push on mm-hmm. and it's and it's a again roughly a month of travel you're going through the the worst parts of winter but we'll turn to gilly like either some sometime following that or maybe closer to Bree or whatever you whenever you want like narrate or sort of do a little setup for for some kind of moment for us what, what would what would you want to do, Ashley? So as we got a little bit closer to Bree, um, depending on the way that we come, um, Gilly starts to notice those white flowers uh, that she's noticed previously that she has copies of in her book. And it's bizarre because normally they don't bloom or break through the snow. Sure. But she's noticing them and she's gathered a few and she's holding them. And it doesn't sit well with her that she's coming across these. And one night as she's up keeping watch, uh, doing her uh, part of the watch, um, she's so, so cold. And she's kind of, she's trying her hardest to stay awake, but the cold is making her drowsy. And then she kind of sees a figure uh, a ghostly figure similar to what we had seen previously except it's not a woman um, it's got it seems like a man and for a brief moment she thinks it's Talendil or Sorendir and so she stands up and she starts walking towards this figure you said this is at night yeah so it's a very hilly 
undulating ground as you even as you near the Breelands itself when you get over the weather hills like there's all sorts of all sorts of inclines valleys and you see like as you're kind of hustling to get there you're your you know your hobbit feet occasionally kind of slipping or falling in the icy icy turf and you can see like they seem to be outpacing you as you continue to follow and continue to follow and you see their heads slowly beginning to descend down the opposite side of this crest and when you finally reach the top of the ridge line you don't see anyone below like you've got your lantern out you're shining it you're shining it maybe you're even calling out names mm. but you you don't see anything in terms of movement. However, there in the ground, you see protruding almost sideways out of the out of the decline of the hill, this large sort of chunk of rock that as you hold the lantern up to it, you realize has been hewn and sort of it's it's not rough, it's not natural, it's been worked. And as you hold it there, you can see that all around it. What you thought was snow and ice is, in fact, this just array of these flowers growing underneath it, over top of it, all around it. And you can see kind of carved into the rock itself are runes of a kind that your scholarly mind does not recognize. A lot of the engravings have faded over time, but some have certainly remained but you see no signs of anyone moving around here. Gilly will probably stay there for a while. Um, I figure she has last watch. So she stays there until um, daybreak. Eventually, everyone else wakes. You look around. You don't see Gilly immediately. But then you, you peer into the distance and you can see her, you know, 100 yards away. And she's kind of perched up or near this uh, this sort of ruined piece of, of you know an obelisk or wall or floor. It's not. It's hard to say, but it's sort of flopped over or it's pushed out of this hill that you're on. You're not sure exactly, but you see her over there, just kind of the 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 lantern kind of giving her away uh, in the sort of dark morning. But you see her sitting there. After packing up, I would catch up to her. You found something. I thought I saw Talendil or Sorendir. Your thoughts, yeah. They've been with us. No, they haven't. Talendil and Marimbem are dead. And we don't know about Sorendir. Ah, Sorendir, he'll be back. He's just hiding again. I keep finding these white flowers, and it, I, I'm not sure if he will be. While you're sitting there, you're telling me about these flowers, and you see these flowers. You hear the sounds of that crackling. Again, Gilly. Except this time, as you're watching, you look at that, that piece of stone with the engravings mm. on it. You can watch 
as it happens in real time, it cracks. Breaks off of like the stub that's buried into the earth and slides down the hill, disappearing into this dark gully covered in fog below. Every everywhere I go, I just I I I ruin everything. I I break everything. And and Gilly is upset, and she just kind of walks away from you back to camp to pack up her stuff. Okay, I will just follow. All right, you continue, and this is probably around the weather, weather hills, the slopes of the weather hills somewhere regardless of whether you're on the western or eastern side. But eventually we'll say you all come back relatively the same direction that you came. You find the Greenway, the north-south road. And by that, I mean you find the long stretch of land where there are no trees growing atop of it. And you can, Arineal, Gilly, and even Floy at this point, piece together familiar landmarks because you've come this way a couple times now together and probably separate and eventually eventually after we'll say around four weeks of travels since you've last seen Sorendir since the deaths of Marinben and Talendil you return to Bree when you arrive you can see that there are festivities that seem to be afoot Uh, it is we'll say Late in the day, uh, but not yet dark when you arrive. Uh, but you can see that there all are all sorts of kind of colorful lights, tor- uh, like these different sort of torch lights and like paper lanterns that are kind of hung from uh, from the you know from underneath the eaves of, of of certain buildings. You can hear the sounds of of merriment spilling out of the prancing pony and other uh, and the cumin waddle if you go past cum or anything like that. And there is a significant amount of festivities. Not only that, there are kind of some lightly decorated uh, homes here and there. Uh, You can see there's children who are kind of playing in piles of snow where uh, the streets have been vaguely cleared and it's been pushed into alleyways. And they're making very, you know, they're they're kind of doing forts and throwing snow snowballs at each other. And when you arrive, they have no conception of sort of the the terror in the darkness that you have you have kind of come come through and you come trudging through the gates of Bree looking horrific you all are malnourished frigid wounded those of you who are severely affected by the spores there's still some slight discoloration on your face that's still slowly fading away all of you almost look gaunt and sickly as a, as you arrive a few folks kind of as they push past like uh, across to you here and there kind of some singing going on you can tell more than more than one drunken uh drunken couple kind of just laughing in front of you here and there and then some of them those that are sober than others kind of t- with a start kind of look at you and they go oh goodness oh dear and they all start kind of like backing away from you at that point so what now that you've returned Again, left is six, come back is three. What happens now? You tell me, and then we'll dive into the fellowship phase. I think Gilly offers for this night for everyone to, because 
we've established sometimes she lives with her parents, but she also has her own apartment like building behind their house um, to come stay with her there for the evening. Uh, it'll it'll be cramped, but it'll, it's at least warm. I, I, I had not quite considered just what our appearance would, would do here. It does seem wise to sleep in a inside away from the elements and uh, clean ourselves up and she just sort of gestures to Floyd's just beard and like everything that had just been so nicely manicured before and is now uh, kind of a rat's nest of knots and whatnot. I just grunt in agreement and follow wherever they take me. Yeah, so we kind of kind of awkwardly walk through all of this merriment as people kind of like step away from us and like kind of disgust and uh, just like, oh my god, are you guys okay? And we're just kind of like nodding and but not really talking to anybody uh, and Gilly is effectively trying to maneuver us to possibly avoid people who would we feel like we need to answer questions to like Oswald um, her parents uh, and just tries to quickly get us into her apartment. Sure. And so we'll say, and again, we don't have to play this out hour by hour, scene by scene, uh, but we'll say you make it back to your home. You have a moment of, uh, you know, you reunite momentarily with your, your parents, your family. They are overjoyed to see you, but also can kind of see this haunted look in your eyes, Gilly. Like you are the brightness of this party and you are no longer that kind of effervescent sort of mm. shining beacon of happiness and, and positivity as you look much the worse for wear. You you manage to get everyone kind of settled and for a night or two or however long you see fit, you all rest and recuperate in warm beds. You get food and drink enough that should you choose to leave Bree for uh, for the Yule Fellowship phase, you are probably capable. Floy, you would um, probably learn that from the dwarf house uh, in Bree, there is a caravan that's uh, very late in the season but they're trying to going to try to make it over to the to, to, to the blue mountains at some point so if you wanted to travel back you would probably be able to hitch a ride with them travel in relative safety uh, through the shire maybe maybe check in on your wife and then head on back to to the halls of glad rock so we'll dive into the actual fellowship phase now i think um so just where is it people are going to be kind of holding it. Like we can, we can also, if you want to, cause I know there's some, there's some group choices we can make. Like, I don't, I don't really care about getting the timing too perfect. We can sort of retroactively say like you guys did something before you left, but um, Floyd, would you be going back to the blue mountains? Yeah, I plan on going back. Okay. Fair enough. Bree, uh, or excuse me, Gilly, you're staying in Bree. Yep. Okay. Arineal, uh, what would you do? Arineal was considering um, going to the cabin in the woods that Marimbim and Talendil had been staying at. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's so, in the Chetwood. Yeah. North of Coombe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be done. Um, you would probably know how to get there yourself, but if if not, uh, you would also know Elise Briarcleave, uh, the woods woman, 
the woodcutter you all saved very early on in the campaign, who has remained a friend and a contact with Hollis Oakstout of the Midgewater Marshes, the, the exiled the exiled warden that you've all encountered with, with the dogs. So uh, even if you couldn't find it yourself, you could speak with Elise Briar Cleaving because she could help you find it or, or supply it in some fashion. Uh, so that shouldn't be too too much too much uh, too much trouble. So you then are remaining roughly in the Bree Lands. Gilly, mm-hmm. you are remaining in Bree, and Floyd, you head off to the Blue Mountains. Sound good? Yes. Yep. Okay. So we're going to then begin our process for the what's it called for the uh, for the actual you fellowship phase. So. You all have 14 skill points and 14 adventuring points to spend. Plus, you have a bonus number of skill points equal to your wits rating. So, Floy, what's your wits rating? It's five. Okay, so you get five more. So you'd have a total of 19 skill points and 14 adventuring points. Gilly, what's your wits score? Six. Okay, so you have 20 skill points and 14 adventuring points from this last phase. And then Arineal. Uh Three. Okay, so uh, for being the dum-dum, uh, you get 17 <laughs> skill points and 14 adventuring points, okay? Uh, we're going to call... So what we do is then we want to set the duration here. Uh, you're gonna We're going to treat this as a couple months, probably basically pushing through winter into early spring. So uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be a lengthy winter, uh, and we probably won't pick up with too much travel again until, I would say, March... Uh, so that's a duration. Um, Floyd travel from Bree through the Shire into the Blue Mountains is relatively harmless. Uh, it's actually, even though the travel itself is, is cold, um, the roads are not as, uh, as populated. Uh, and you are amongst other dwarves mostly, uh, in your journey back. Some you might know, uh, personally, some you just might know by name, Merchants that come and go here and there. Passing through the Shire is actually quite enjoyable as they, even more so than Bree, have sort of decorations and there's this sense of warmth and kind of family and positivity brewing. The The only kinds of sort of negative energy you're getting is gossip here and there. So it's got that that moment it's almost refreshing to some degree to to see that the the worst things people have to deal with are nosy neighbors um i'll tell you what roll roll a d12 and let me know what you roll six okay passing back over the the shire and then more specifically, as your caravan uh, goes over the far downs on the western edge, uh, or the white downs, I should say, uh, past Michel Delving, you, you camp out kind of on the, the western sides of, of Michel Delving, like the last major town in the Shire before it kind of becomes a little bit more wilderness. You do... Have a have another one of these strange moments in the middle of the night, but where on the hills of Rudauer you woke to the sounds of somebody sharpening a blade and that person still unidentified. This time you awake to the sound of distant reverie. Like you can hear the sounds of 
strange string instruments, music, high, high-pitched voices singing in some sort of chorus in unison. And it suddenly starts to flood you with these memories of the last time you crossed over here with your compatriots coming back from Forland. Do you seek out the music in the night? I will follow the familiar noise. As you wander off, you see what looks to be in a grove of these sort of low-hanging, probably fruit trees of some kind, but they're not bearing fruit currently. And it is this almost perfectly circular grove. And there's light snow frosting on the branches and on the ground. You see lights almost kind of moving about and almost like fireflies, but that can't be right. This doesn't seem the season. When you get closer, you see that there are, there's like this, this bonfire that seems to be roaring uh, up between the circular trees. The closer you get, the louder the music becomes in your ears. You hear a familiar kind of feminine, high-pitched voice kind of squeal. You see a couple figures, looks like hobbits, sitting around this, this, this fire. You see a few of them are drinking, a few of them are singing. You see other things moving about too. Might be shadows flickering, might not. But we're going to fade out on that scene though, because we don't want to reveal too much about it. But it's a very warm place, Floy, is what happens. Okay, and eventually... When you wake up the next day, a bit of the darkness that has been growing in your heart feels a little lighter. You wake up in that same grove. You've seen a couple hobbits around you. They all kind of give you a wicked look. You see empty bottles kind of cast about here and there, the burnt embers of the fire. And you see random like streamers and ribbons kind of cascading through the branches above. You do anything? Just bid the hobbits farewell. Goodbye, Master Dwarf. You have a, a fine rest of the season. We will see you on your return. Very well. <laughs> Just nodded over and walk away. Okay. And so you hear them sort of chuckling and gossiping behind you. Uh, and... Uh, you make it back to your party as they were kind of looking around, growing a little bit more concerned. And you get back on the road and you head off into the Blue Mountains. Okay. So, with Floy having returned to his home, with Gilly and Arinio there as well, why don't we start doing our customary... We're going to do one round and then we'll do our giveaway and then we'll come back and finish. But we're going to do our customary uh, perform updates uh, remember the way we do it when you spend your your XP to up a skill or valor or wisdom or whatever it is you're upping. Describe a little scene. Uh, it doesn't have, We don't have to play it out if we don't want to, but it could just be you describing an action, either you practicing or you thinking back to the adventuring phase, something you've learned from that moment, just something to kind of tie the mechanical point increase to the story that we've been doing, right? So who would like to share their first training, their first growth? I am back in the Blue Mountains. Okay. And I would like to... Sort of just like combo everything together. 
Okay, we can do that. Or two things at least. Sort of crafting and healing a scar. So he's going to meet up with his crafting buddy Eloy. And he's going to come to the realization of the journey that just ended. And he wants to let out his frustration by just slamming the forge day after day. Is there something in particular that you're trying to craft? Uh, he's gonna he's gonna keep remaking like a battle axe. Okay. Just over and over. Okay. Is it similar in some ways to the one that you've been carrying? Yes. Okay. I figured I'd put the dwarf music on for this. Okay. Uh, so just for fun, uh, go ahead and roll a crafting test. Favored with four pips. Extraordinary success. You, you're at this for days. And the very first axe that you craft, it's been a while. Like your hands kind of grasping the anvil, the tongs, the, the heat of the forge. Contrasted with the coldness of Angmar and Rudauer Hills as you journeyed past. Like it is stark, the difference, right? And even the very first bangs of the hammer, the first attempts at sort of crafting this battle axe, you can tell right off the bat you nailed it. Like it's it's in great shape. The balance is very very good. The blade seems quality. It even has a fairly attractive looking uh, looking feel to it. However, something kind of tugs at the back of your mind. You can do better. Like you maybe look off to the side. You see sort of hanging from uh, one of the racks on the side of the side of the forge. You're your coat of mithril, uh, that 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 ancient sort of crafter sigil, uh, kind of showing even more brightly now beneath the, the kind of the purplish amethyst that seems to sit at the collar, and you kind of go at it again. Ting, ting, ting. The, the battle axe gets even better; it gets even sharper, right? You can the blade itself; it's even lighter; it swings even faster now. There's a few like random we'll say like target dummies those these wooden things that sit in the ground that that sit in the walls to kind of test things against you go through it a second time and a third time and a fourth time each time you kind of look up at that kind of mithril chess piece that the per- perfection incarnate up there and eventually you find yourself the very end with very light very deft battle axe that i mean it's so light and quick in some ways but at the same time, bear such a weight on the head that it could just cleave through even the finest of armor. Even Gilly could swing this. It has been handled so so spectacularly. Do you do any kind of like crafting crafter's mark when you do it? Yeah. On the final one, crafted with my the tears of a dwarf, I etch the names of Talonbill, Marimbim, even, even Sorendir. So you do think he's dead? Yeah. 50 50. And so you're also, t- this is also, like you said, like kind of double dipping here, heal, healing a scar. You're doing an undertaking. We're just doing, so normally we do the the sort of updates first, but you're also healing a scar, which is one of your undertakings. So yeah. 
So you choose the undertaking to focus on mending your spiritual injuries, and you spend five of your adventuring points and remove one shadow scar. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. We'll then turn over towards either Gilly or Orineal for our next little scene. When do you want to go? So Gilly is also going to be healing a shadow scar. And um, what she does is she starts painting again. um, And she was gifted these pigments and powders. And so she starts out painting um, just the fellowship group as a whole um, before we went. When uh, So it's got Maribim, Talendel, Sorendir, Floy, Reniel, and herself. And then she paints another one of the aftermath. And then she paints individual portraits of Marimbem, Talendel, and then Sorendir. Again, for funsies, go ahead and roll, let's say, a crafter's test to see how how accurate their the perceptions of these people are from memory. All right. I don't got a whole lot for this one for crafting, but I think I get a bonus from my paints. I think they were are using them as yeah, a useful item. Yeah. Yeah, they're craft. Okay, so I got 10. It's perfect. I passed. Uh, I got a great success. A great success. Okay. You um, have extensive experience drawing Floy, of course, as we know. Dwarves, yep, and his brothers. Specifically Floy. Uh, so his depiction <laughs> is is accurate as can be. However, it's definitely taking on a bit of a heroic lens, right? Like he looks... She definitely has doe eyes. Yeah, it looks a little bit more like when you first met him and not necessarily when you last saw him in his, Mm -hmm. I've been in Angmar for a month state. Uh, So he he certainly carries with it. You, you managed to get the, his, his, his look, the, the cleanliness of his mithril coat is, is sort of very clear and glistening. Uh, And you do a a fairly accurate depiction of this. A Rineal, same as, same. Oh no, we lost a Steven. Oh no! Uh oh! We lost to Steven. One sec. Let me see if I can. That uh, silly power company, not treating. They're treating Steven about as well as uh, Angmar is treating Sorendir. He's coming back. Okay, so he'll be back here, hopefully. So you uh, and you, same thing with Arinio. Um. Again, more of a heroic look to it. One morning after you've painted it, and you've done a very good job of, of accurately depicting the look of your, your people, you, you look to the painting and you realize you, you, thought, you thought it was, you think you see a smudge. Uh, we have one too many Stevens. Let's get him out. <laughs> Sorry. No, there's two. Let's get this guy out of here. There we go. Sorry about that. So you... You, you think but there's actually a smudge, but in fact, it is not a smudge. Somehow, at some point, maybe in the night, maybe in the morning, maybe while you're painting, just your mind kind of drifted and you see in the distance, in the background, you seem to have painted one of these 
these echoes of Othran gold, that same sort of spiky ice angles here and there where the elbows meet, the shoulders are, the kind of dark, grimy center encased in ice. And it's just, it's a perfect depiction, small in the distance, but seeming to kind of stare down the group of you who are otherwise happy and capable. Mm Mm-hmm. And then finally, we'll turn to Arineal. Arineal, give us one of your uh, one of yours, and then we'll do our giveaway. Okay. Uh, so for updates, Arineal is going to focus on. Um, she actually had some points left over for last time, so she's going to do uh, both stealth and persuade. But I'm going to focus on stealth. So she is going to. You know, I'm imagining her just kind of in everything she's doing, like this. This. Being quiet was so important in trying to kind of get through Angmar that she wants to kind of try to be even better with this. And so even when she's like around um, their cabin, she's trying to like walk wordlessly, you know, kind of noiselessly over the uh, kind of creaky wooden floors. She's going out to kind of the wildlife in the area and trying to just move soundlessly around just deer or different you know kind of wood woodland animals and just really trying to practice and just for fun see this roll that test let's see how it goes oh i was not prepared for that i just did it with ashley and yeah, I, know. I feel like you probably should have. <laughs> uh no that's a fail that's a no, that's a nine total. At a certain point, as you're you're trying your best at this sort of stealthiness to sneak up on some of these snow hares that are bounding about uh, within the within the the Chetwood, you you place your place your foot down and you hear a snap as it kind of sinks beneath a small layer of snow, and as you look up, this the, the this hare just goes bounding across it. And just disappears off into the distance. When you lift your leg up, kind of pull it out from beneath that small, thin layer of snow, you feel that your foot had kind of like sunk deeper into like the moist earth and then broke something. You realize that your boot is covered in this red slime, almost like blood. When you kind of look down at where your foot was you mm-hmm. see that there's a carcass that you had stepped on and kind of snapped as you'd done so the body of another one of these woodland creatures that had somehow within the last few days been killed perhaps by another creature or just died of its own accord and you had somehow stepped on it and is now covering your foot in this sort of grimy brown red like sludge that reminds you with some amount of accuracy mm-hmm. of the berries that you repeatedly saw on your, on your return trip from Ingmar. And Arineal, as she did before, is just kind of taking out her bag and just dumping everything out and just double, triple checking that she didn't bring any of these just blasted berries back. You can still see the stains on the, on the cloth and the leather and everything, but it doesn't look like you have any. Okay. So that round done. Let's go ahead and stop for a moment. Uh, Pause. Put a pause and play. 
Uh, and we'll go ahead and do our giveaway for the evening. Uh, so to remind you all, uh, we are giving away, courtesy of our friends at Norse Foundry, if someone wants to drop that link in the in the chat. Uh, we've got a set of polyhedralized usual stuff that you'd expect to find. Uh, the Biofrost set specifically is what it's called. Uh, it's got this wonderful kind of like sort of rainbow reflective quality to it. And in addition to that, uh, what comes with this, there's only going to be one winner. We also get what's called a boulder. These large kind of golf ball size D20s are going to come along with it. It's all matching in this case. Uh, we're going to do one winner. Uh, the the best viewer in exactly. Uh, so what we're going to do is in a second, I'm going to tell you a, a little keyword to drop into the chat, and that will uh, that will be what we use to figure out who wins. Uh, I will say that we do have to kind of limit where we're shipping this stuff to. So we're looking at like continental U.S. We'll do Canada. It's the season of giving. We'll do Canada. Uh, but if you are one of those folks who watch us and you're kind of overseas somewhere uh we'll figure out something something different for you for you all next year at the beginning of the beginning of the year we'll find some other giveaway to do for you uh but for now this one's uh, specifically continental and uh in canada we'll let it be canada too uh and then uh let's see what do we want to do for our keyword fellowship oh eric has just yeah. said if an international person does win uh look at your gift card look at that okay Okay. Oh, Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. So generous. It's the season of giving and of of uh, of terrorizing your players. What you got, mm-hmm. Ashley? Fellowship, uh, like Stephen said, Yule. 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 Uh, there we go. Yule. Okay. I think Yule Yule makes sense. It's only four letters. Yule will be the word. Y U L E. Uh, go ahead. We'll say. Are you ready? Let me put it in. Yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me put it <laughs> in sure. here. Where does this go? Keyword. Let's see. It goes there. That goes there. That goes there. All right. Everyone, go ahead. Uh, if you want to enter, please go ahead. Type in Yule into the chat right now. We'll give it a minute or so here. If you're interested in winning these beautiful Bifrost dice. It's what I roll every week. Oh, I see one. I see one. I see two. I see two. I see three. Babcom, welcome to the chat. Welcome, welcome to the chat. Oh, there's a couple more. Keep it going. There we go. Hey, Fair Drift. Shantana Rosini. I'm very, very sorry about our voices last night. Sundance. Astralis. Oh, I see what you did, Griffin. You little, little <laughs> there. Griffin was a previous winner. He's already won a set of these. Yeah. Give it a minute more. Again, if anybody wants to drop it in. Go ahead and do so now. Are y'all feeling sufficiently depressed? Have I depressed you all enough yet with your characters with the? Dreams? I mean, the last few weeks. That's recovering though. Been. Mm-hmm. Things are things are. Boy, saying fifty-fifty really hurt me. Fifty-fifty. That's funny. I I said in chat I thought fifty-fifty was generous, so mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. We don't is. need to say that out loud though. <laughs> oh, oops. All right, thirty second warning. If anyone wants to get in, type Yule into the chat. I'm going to be drawing it in about thirty seconds. Uh, again, it is for a set of Norse Foundry Biofrost dice, along with a Norse Foundry uh, matching Boulder D20. If anybody wants to hurt somebody, this is definitely a good thing to use because uh, it's very heavy and awesome at the same time. Where's Sorender? That's uh, I know where Sorender is. <laughs> He's in the belly of an ice drake. Oh no. Well, actually I guess at this point he's you know worked his way out. It's fast. Okay. <laughs> go 50 ahead. 50 whether he's still in there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. 50 of them is and 50 of them isn't. 
Uh, okay, oh. here, we, here we go. We're going to go ahead and I'm going to roll it up now. The winner is... I can't, what? No. <laughs> I'm going to re-roll that. Sorry about that. Let's try it again. Do, 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 do. I, think, <laughs> I think it's because yeah. of Yuletide, because no. you dropped yeah. Yuletide in there. We're uh, going to roll it again. Okay, give it a sec. Yeah. We're going to roll it again. That's funny. I didn't realize it would pick up stuff like that. Okay, here we go. Try this again. Fair hey, Drift. Fair Drift. Fair Drift, you have won the giveaway. Uh, all right, I will reach out to you uh, through uh, Twitch. Uh, I actually, I'll, I'll send you a message right now, and I'll get your info, and we'll figure out how to get these dice to you uh, as fast as possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay, so congratulations, and thank you for supporting the channel. You've been around for a while now, and it's always fun seeing your name pop up. And you're always so nice with giving me, uh, giving me what are those called? Complications <laughs> to hurt people with. Uh, and I very much appreciate people who let me hurt. Other- Wait, that that sounded weird. That sounded weird. Why did that suddenly yeah, sound that's weird? That's a little, little weird. <laughs> but also to anyone else, uh, we'll be giving away a few more times. And there's a code in the chat. That is true. Uh, yeah, if you want to get 10% off of your order, if you're buying any Christmas presents or something like that for your friends, uh, head on over uh, to Norse Foundry. Uh, use Lolly as the code and get 10% off your order just in time for the holidays. And I think the next one we have scheduled, our next giveaway, I believe, is going to be Regency Cthulhu next Friday. I think that's the plan. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come hang out with us next Friday night, uh, we're going to be concluding our little Regency Cthulhu one shot. Uh, so we're going to be giving away a dice, uh, another set of dice then. So that's the next time you'll yep. see. Okay. Norse also has some cool like mystery bundles going on right now, too. So check those out. Very nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. So why is this not working? Why can't I message Faradrift? All right. I'll figure it out. So let's go ahead and dig back in. Uh, who still has some upgrade stuff they want to narrate? We're still in our, our Yule phase. We're still doing our, our perform updates phase. Yeah, I've got a whole 20 adventure points to throw an axis to upgrade. Okay. Uh, so what are you going to upgrade? Uh, my axe is combat proficiency. Oh, you're just going to... So, okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were like doing like a Valor upgrade. My bad. Yeah, so pretty much it's like every axe I craft, I'm going to take it out to test it. And that pretty much increases my proficiency. Would we say that you are you are now using the axe that has engraved upon it the names of Arineal, Talendil, and Sorendir? Is that, is that becoming your, your daily driver? Yeah, that'll be with a new one. Okay. Okay. Uh, so again... We sort of see Floy once more. We kind of return back to it. He's just sweat glistening. His beard kind of moist from from just the heat of the forge, the uh, the steam coming up as as you know as the the molten metal kind of meets uh, meets the water. Uh, this is a place probably Gilly would be just a, a extraordinarily home inside of a dwarf forge. But uh, finally, we'll cut away from that. Uh, who next? Um, Gilly uh, spent some points and she increased her athletics and her travel. Um, I think to kind of like prepare for that more so during Yule, um, at least for the travel, she spent some time with Oswald, um, probably looking over maps and stuff. Um, and then she also... Um, 
reaches out to Elise uh, about maybe navigating some other places to help her uh, kind of train with that of uh, following tracks and stuff like that and just finding the best best path to go through. Okay. So she does, she like studies and then does practical application <laughs> with Elise. Okay. Uh, you've been meeting with Oswald Breaker and he is, if we recall, is the widow of some some age. His wife died many years ago mm-hmm. and he's kind of lives on the far edge of Coombe away from everywhere else. So it's a bit of a hike uh, in the snow and, you know, in the winter uh, as you kind of get over in that direction. Uh, but you do manage to spend some time with him, uh, Elise Briarcleave as well, um, as you're kind of journeying about. Uh, she tells you perhaps, keeps you informed, Rineal is, is okay. Maybe maybe Elise stops by every now and then as she's very accustomed to. She has her own cabin kind of on the southern edge of the Chetwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe she kind of fills you in every now and then just to make sure you're you're staying you're staying connected. Um, she tells you some stories from time to time of you know strange strange things she's seen during the winter. Uh, stuff is she's she's starting to notice that it's getting colder faster than it did the year before. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the streams, rivers, and things, ponds have have frozen over more quickly, more thoroughly than they have in the past. And you've seen it to the point where we, she sadly has, has seen like birds and other animals kind of get almost like almost like a flash frost has come through and they kind of trap themselves like a leg or a foot uh, or a wing kind of trapped within the ice of a pond. She spent some time kind of in trying to hammer and set a set a duck free or something like that. Uh, it's kind of horrific. And that mm-hmm. she's she's having been having to go back to to Coombe more frequently as the the time that she's been spending in her cabin is just just cold and cold and cold and dark and cold and there's just no no relenting. Mm-hmm. It's the worst winter she tells you that she's seen. That kind of sets Gilly on edge, and she makes note of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she does warn her of some of the things. Like I imagine, as we're doing these hikes and stuff, Gilly starts to actually like loosen up and and tell some of the horrific tales of things that they've come across uh especially when elise is is opening up about stuff like that Mm -hmm. and finally we'll go over to orineal for your next round yeah so for my growth um what i decided to do and something i don't think anyone's taken before but i'm going to spend uh 20 on what's called prowess which is basically you take an attribute target number and decrease it by one. And since, uh, as was pointed out earlier, my uh, wits is only a three. Yeah, you're a dumb target number of uh, 17. Uh, so what I can do with this growth is uh, reduce that target number from 17 to 16, um, which is basically going to help everything um, in that category. Um, so some of that is like the stealth scan explorer, um, but then also persuade riddle and lore. It will help with those as well. Okay. Uh, so how would we say like that manifests in terms of like a scene or a montage or training? So or whoever, reflection? so I'm thinking since I already spent some time kind of doing the like stealthy outside stuff, I will find kind of whoever, um, whether this is uh, like, uh Oswald or any of the other um kind of hobbits in the area um kind of whoever might be open to 
me just listening to them tell stories. So I'm thinking more of the kind of like riddle lore, um, possibly social aspect of this that she may be gaining some. Uh, yeah, I think it knowledge. Uh, Oswald Breaker, the the elderly man, he's always been a friend to Talendil. Like the two of mm-hmm. them are friends. He is the one who told you about Talendil. At some point, someone probably would need to tell him about his good friend Talendil. It would make sense to be a Renew. And I think that is that is correct. It would probably make a lot of sense for it to be coming from you. And they go back a ways. The two of them are are similar in age. Talendil's was slightly younger than Oswald, probably a good you know five to ten years younger. But they were of some similar age. Both of them uh, well into their their forties or, or fifty. Actually, I would say probably fi- early fifties for Talendil, late forties, and then in the 60 range for Oswald. And both of them had bonded for a time over marital trouble, Oswald having lost his wife, Talendale having lost his daughter, and then his wife being estranged. So the two of them bonded over such tragedy. So I would say he does not take it well. And he's very distraught, very sad, as one real friend that he has had, uh, has has passed. Hearing Marimem, especially after the what looked like momentary reprieve, where it looked like the two of them were doing better, and to see to hear the fact that they had fallen, so he's he's very very distraught over his Yule time phase. He doesn't really partake in too much of the social activities, which is not you know against the grain for him in any way. Uh, but you know, even still, he would periodically even meet with Elise Briarcleave or, you know, he would see, you know, perhaps the Sweet Roots, the two, you know, the, the, the Graham and Alcott, they would meet, but kind of stays fairly reclusive. And if not for you and Gilly, checking in on him from time to time, he probably wouldn't have any contact over the course of the, the winter months. Uh, you find him more than once, filled to his cups, his head kind of face down in a book atop of his table or his desk, where he clearly spent the night the candle burnt down to nothing, just wax on the on the cup. And you probably have to get him coffee or tea in the morning. And it's uh yeah, it's a it's sort of a rough few weeks or so as he thinks a little bit more about his mortality. Reniel is uh incredibly she's not particularly social so she would um, not necessarily have a lot to say she's not necessarily looking to cheer him up so much as make sure that he knows that someone is there with him and you know taking care of basics you know bringing bringing some food making sure he's eating um, and just trying to invite him to you know, we, we, we tell stories of, of those and that, that is how folks are remembered by the stories that we tell about them. And I am here to listen to any stories that you may have. And that is probably the right tactic, as I think that gets him talking. And he will tell you stories of Talendil. He will tell you stories of Fornost of the various finds that they had in him off in the world, coming back, bringing him news, Oswald updating his maps, writing his book about the history of the kingdom of Arnor, Arthur Dane, all those types of things. 
that shared love of history. So yeah, he, he probably it, you, it, it's a it's a bonding moment, but not in the in a friendship kind of way, but more of a you know you're he looks to you as as not a replacement for Talendale in any stretch, at least not in the friendship sense of the word, but in the he's friendly to rangers. You are a ranger, I would say, and you've shown him kindness in the past. So we'll move on. Uh, does anyone else have any other training or growth to narrate? I've used all my points. Okay. Uh, Gilly has one more. Okay, what you thinking? Um, I have a Valor reward that oh, I got. Very nice. Um, so I wanted her corslet to be, be a cunning make. Okay. Okay. Uh, is this something that you would sort of take to yourself, or would you look to find someone to handle it for you? Um, I think it's something that Gilly would bond with her mom about. Oh, okay. So that just because she hasn't spent so much time with her. So together, this is something that they work upon. Smoke with your father. sew with your mother. <laughs> yeah. And the two of you. I mean, in your, your, your gear is in a horrible condition. So it's more yeah. about like so we're building, mending you. everything else in the first place, but we're making a new corslet because mm-hmm. it did get horrifically just messed up. This, this requires a few trips into town to, supplies from time to time which allows you to despite maybe some resistance at least view or at a distance partake somewhat osmotically perhaps in the in the seasonal festivities of the land your mother you can sense is trying to cheer you up from time to time with some of these trips here and there she probably tries to urge you into the prancing pony or into the cumin waddle or one of the other inns you might pass Mm-hmm. trying to get you happy again. Uh, and even more than once, she she not so subtly references uh, you know, some new leaf your father has uh, has come to. Wouldn't She's normally so very disapproving of it. And she's alarmed that Gilly's not interested. Indeed. And Because uh, normally that was, she'd go out and she'd find both of them giggling mm-hmm. over what new product that her dad has crossbred. And more than once at night, you you know, even though you have your own your own apartment detached from it, maybe you you come into there's more like to the kitchen, a late night snack, a drink, and you can hear uh, by by candlelight, you know, kind of flickering underneath the the door of their their bedroom. You can hear them kind of chatting. Your name comes up. You mm-hmm. can tell they're worried about you. Yeah. Arineal, are you uh, are you done as well? Or do you have more? Um, I'm not entirely sure how to uh, do this one, but I'm increasing my persuade. That's that's fine. Um, you have to go to town, perhaps. You have to get supplies. You're out of perhaps oil mm-hmm. for your lanterns, or uh, you're you need to buy some you know, some other other spices or goods to help you know supplement some of your food. At some point, I'll figure out what my. Uh, item is going to be mm-hmm. uh, this next time. Your snowshoes so, yes. broke. You have to get those replaced or mended. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess I'm doing some Just haggling. haggling. Mm-hmm. It's some prices, right? You live, like you've never probably lived so close to town. You know, you, mm-hmm. are, you are within a very close proximity of it. Okay. All right. So with that in mind, we have finished the perform updates or at least the spending of experience uh we'll hit we'll go into spiritual recovery 
you automatically recover a number of hope points equal to your heart score. But if this is a Yule phase, which it is, you gain all your hope back. So everyone can take all your hope back. Here's the next one. And you all can tell me what you think. If the adventuring phase was a positive outcome in the fight against the encroaching shadow, you get to remove some shadow points, one to three, as the lore master would would determine. Do you all want to argue that this previous adventuring phase was a positive outcome in the fight against the shadow? I'm, I don't I'm open. Think it was. We what survived the trip to Angmar. <laughs> Did we beat Just a back the point. forces of evil? No, like, yeah, no, we didn't. I mean, we did kill some things, but and we did learn. Some <laughs> there were things. hundreds of things, and we killed five. Yeah. Six of you went, three of you returned. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Because well, Sorander could have cleared out that dungeon while he, you guys left. So maybe he took care of everything for you, and you get some. Cut to Sorendir bonding with the Ice Drake over being loners because the Ice Drake is his loner. And then the two of them are now going Sorendir through the dungeon. Helps give him a, exactly. A haircut, you know, the emo haircut. The emo haircut on the Drake, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> because we are in, it's not just the game that is in the Yule phase, but we are, I will give you all one shadow point back. I do think we could make very easily the argument that that was not a successful outcome and probably shouldn't have any. But I think the sheer Mm. fact that it is Yule, take one back. Uh, Thank you. had no temporary shadow points, so uh, it's all just still sitting there. You know, she also doesn't take uh, fatigue from travel. Did you guys know that too? You know that too? Uh, (laughs) I love that joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) Say that again. Would our fatigue be gone now? Yeah, you've been in town. Yeah, you guys have been in town for a while. I also accumulate 20 new treasure, 24 treasure. Yeah, you took it all, didn't you? Okay, so remember that you can shift that in the the foundry sheet from your treasure item to your treasure score. Oh, I did have some on my horse. Okay, so just remember you can convert it. So we've been using the item to keep track of what you're carrying. So if you ever wanted to discard it, and then you can convert it now to your score. And then if any of you might have moved up a standard of living, remember a standard of living controls how many uh, useful items you can carry. So check the chart. I have the chart up on Foundry for you. You can see if you've moved up. If that's the case, you might be able to get an extra extra item. Zero treasure for a radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm at 135, which is... Oh my gosh. 45 away from Rich. Okay. I'm still at 20. Long knows how to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> Dude gets all the treasure. It's most effective in a fight. Doesn't spend any hope. All the all the all the all the shorties love him. <laughs> Hobbits and fairies are just loving him left and right. It's great. Yes, they are. That's okay. why Sorendir was his focus because Sorendir didn't want the treasure, so it would just <laughs> slide right over to Floyd. That's it. That's exactly what it is. And in contrast, Floyd looks like just just the liveliest young fellow. Uh, okay, let's get into undertakings then. So. Uh, this is Yule, so each of you get an individual undertaking, and then you will, in addition to that, uh, you'll do your company undertaking. So let's start with the individual ones. Does anyone have that figured out? So for undertakings? Yeah, this is, again, as since this is Yule phase, all of you get to take one on your own, and then there's one that you'll take together that's available from the, the undertakings that you have for free. Yeah, I was going to do Gather Rumors. For me, it was going to be looking into the race and sort of 
how to effectively combat them. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you start asking about, uh, you've got, let's see, uh, you got Eloy, who's your cousin or something, right? Isn't that correct? We can make him my brother since I have so many. Yeah, and it rhymes. So I think rhyming names usually. Okay, what about you? I think, didn't you have a lore master as well that you. Yeah, he was like the vault keeper, I think. Okay. So if you speak with the vault keeper of the halls of Gladrock, and perhaps you're directed to this by Eloy as you're asking about, you are. You are told kind of an interesting story. Uh, it's interesting on a few few levels uh, because uh, it, it, it kind of it answers not only does it answer your question but it sort of piques your interest to desert for other reasons as well but you're told of the story of Kobar son of Cain and he was a fairly legendary dwarf warrior who fought and died uh, in the battle of a Zanul Bazaar, which uh, was during the War of the Dwarves and Orcs uh, at the sort of the gates of Khazad-dum, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of like th- not quite 300 years ago, but close to that. Um, and you know that you've probably at some point in your time heard of him before. He's quite legendary, uh, and he was known to wield a very mighty, heavy cleaver. Uh, similar in many respects to your axe, but it was a little cruder in some uh, in some ways. At least not crude in its design, but its appearance was much simpler. But it was heavy, and it would cleave through uh, the the strongest of bears and wolves, the the thickest of of orc armor. Uh, but you're told that, in addition to fighting and, and dying in the battle. He also, uh, there was an interesting story about how he and his party, uh, when they were en route to the battle uh, of, a, I always forget how to pronounce this correctly, but Azanul Bazaar, he, they were in the, the Misty Mountains, and they were beset upon uh, by wraiths of some kind. And Kobar was, was a very superstitious man. And he would do various, uh, you kind of perform various rituals with his weapon at night and in the morning. And he would, you know, prayer is going too far, but where many dwarves might whisper to the to the oars and the earth, he whispered to his weapon. And his, his justification was that it was made from ore, it was made from earth. And the story is, is that if not for him and his weapon, he was able to cleave through these whites that beset them. His weapon was was carried back along with some of his other belongings after the uh, after the after the he died in battle, and it was placed within the family vaults of Cragstone Hall, uh, which is uh, your neighbors to the north. Uh, your Gladrock Glad- Cragstone is not too far away; it's perhaps two days' travel northward up the Blue Mountains. Not only that, but you can see that your your lore master of of Gladrock, kind of his eyebrows, is these big bushy eyebrows raised. He's like, "Now, why are you asking about that now, Floy? It seems to be curious timing." Appears uh, I've failed a battle, darker race. I've run into them every now and then, but these ones 
our big problem. I see, I see. But I was more asking because, well, the Crackstone vaults were broken into not a fortnight ago. Those darn Oathbreakers. Those Oathbreakers, I remember. Yes, indeed. A fella I imagine you've had contact with, a fella by the name of Snagit, led them. Ah, Snagit. Yes, Spit indeed. Spit the sound of his name. Indeed. Now, some of the Crackstone Dwarves were able to track him down. Well, not Snagit himself, but some of the Oathbreakers, and they had a battle in the up the ridges where they were hiding in a network of caves. And although they managed to, to take some of the Oathbreakers, many, including Snagit himself, escaped. They managed to retrieve a few of the, uh, the goods. Some old tomes and other riches that surely those Oathbreakers were probably going to sell down to the humans of Bree or some other place. But Kobar's cleaver, well, it wasn't recovered. They still have it. I reckon if you're able to track old Snagit down, not only would you be able to enact a bit of, um, revenge, justice, but you'd be able to get the very instrument that you're looking for that might help you. And whatever strange quest you have with that elvish friend of yours, and the ranger and the hobbit, Thank you, Lomaster. Well, of course, my son. Not only would it reward you, but I'm sure the dwarves of Crackstone would very much reward you and your family for aiding them in such an endeavor. Of course. So, if you head out to the Crackstone Hall, you can speak with, and then he's uh, kind of starting to like he kind of starts scratching his chin as he's trying to remember the name of the dwarf, much as as Jeff is. Um, speak to Thrambin. He's the head of the guard there. He might be able to help you find a lead or two, or you could aid him. Sounds good. Okay, so that is your rumors and undertaking. Excellent. Uh, Gilly or Arineal, do either of you have your solo undertaking in mind? Um, I did heal scars, so do I do another one? Oh, uh, okay. Well, so did Floyd, didn't you? Wait, I did that too. Hmm. Hmm. Oops. Someone Oops. cheated. Oops. Okay. I'll do another one. Usually it's Need Melissa Need a new Nightbot command for long. I am... <laughs> shocked that long is cheating it just hit me i would have said it earlier but i was like i completely mm-hmm. forgot okay okay well you got away with it you son of a okay uh Renny, I, guess my scar could, back. I guess we could treat heel scars as the thing that everybody does but Arenio just won't do it and then everything will be fine uh Since well Renio, what do you want to do don't worry about it. that's fine okay i'll penalize so, him in some other way no. <laughs> okay. So Arineal, and I actually think this works with kind of what we just did. So Arineal has been hanging out with Oswald and kind of talking about um, 
kind of the stories and uh, Oswald's been telling stories of Talendale and, um, you know, kind of O'Reilly has been learning from him and O'Reilly um, being a young uh, champion hasn't had a lot of practice at writing songs, but she thinks that this is a good, a good um, situation in which a song may be useful. So she uh, she writes a song that she reads to Oswald to kind of get his thoughts on uh, this. So this is a um, a council song. So kind of trying to you know entreat assistance or things like that. So um, it's a lay of sacrifice. Is the title. A ranger knows the way is fraught, but ranges anyway. Brave rangers know the way means death, but brave it anyway. To the mountains went Marimbam, to the tundras went Talendil. Abound with frights, abound with death, they ranged it anyway. We sing their lay that those who hear may learn of fright and learn of death and brave it anyway. Nice. Amazing. It's fantastic. And I would say Oswald, who has been having a rough go of it lately. You've been having to wake him up in the morning sometimes. He's more crotchety and angry than usual. And... At a certain point, like when you're sitting across the table from him and you can see that he's got his face kind of buried in like a, a steaming cup of coffee or soup. And he doesn't look at you. He's very quiet. But as you're done kind of reading through it, maybe even humming or singing it along, you just kind of see him like his shoulders kind of moving up and down a bit as the this loose rug effectively uh, to keep him warm is wrapped around him. And you see that the old man is quietly sobbing for the loss of his friend. And he just looks up at you, his eyes kind of glistening with tears. And he just says, It was very good, <clears throat> Arrhenil. It was very good. And he kind of gets up, and kind of looks like he's confused at which way to go for a second. He kind of looks like he's going to his office and he turns around at the last second, comes towards you and just sort of puts this kind of this shaky hand on your shoulder, kind of pats you on the shoulder. It was lovely. And he kind of waddles off across the room. And then at the last second, very lovely, goes into his office and you hear, like, at the distance, him continuing to quietly sob. So, next thing that we need to tackle is the collaborative undertaking. What does the group do together? Now, again, we can do this out of order. I'm totally fine with this. We could say this is something you did before Floyd left. We could say this something afterwards. However you want. What, what, did you all talk this out? 
Um, well, I was talking about maybe doing gather rumors, but that's been hit. Melissa mentioned strength and fellowship. I mean, we could say that the gather rumors that Floyd did. I mean, it is something that would be useful to the whole group. The idea of having a weapon that's specifically effective against mm-hmm. the undead. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to not to consider that. And mm-hmm. I think you all had hinted at, at possibly wanting to journey west, right? And you were going to make a pit stop by the Blue Mountains on your way, right? Yeah, we had mentioned, because um, we wanted to see what happened to the individual that we've removed the seed from their ice face. Okay. So let's make sure we did everything we were supposed to. Uh, we did our undertakings. We've done our updates or spiritual recovery. Uh, you all will need to figure out your useful items, of course. Okay. I figure mechanically we're done with this part of it. However, Gilly, Arineal, as the two of you are kind of getting ready. Uh, it's still, it's, it's been a horrible winter. Some of the older people in town uh, that you consult with, uh, even older than Oswald, these are people who are you know 70 years old, 60 years old, late 60s, people who've been alive for well above their 50s. They tell tales of the fell winter about 50 years ago or so, give or take. This particularly cruel and lengthy winter that caused trouble all throughout the Breelands. And not just within Bree and Coombe and Archit, but in the Shire itself. So, Gilly, you might hear stories from your parents passed down from their parents, or even your parents are probably old enough, I would, I would imagine, considering the age of hobbits, to perhaps have been young children. And maybe this is the reason why they left, because we've talked about trying to explore why they might have left. Maybe this is the reason mm-hmm. why, is even the Shire was was terribly hit by these storms to the point where the hobbits were starving and they needed to get food. And there were all sorts of these different reinforcements like Gandalf and others who, who, were, who were managing to kind of collect resources that they might need. But within Bree, within Coombe, entire... You know, entire pastures, entire farms were destroyed. Livestock was lost. And you're getting the sense that many who were alive for such times, they they say this is the worst winter that they have had since then. And where at first the like, there was joviality at the signs of snow, which doesn't necessarily always snow and breathe, but the signs of it, there was this, this enjoyment at first. It has been, we'll say almost two months now that the fellowship has been here and split apart. And it has just been frozen day after frozen day after frozen day. The streets of Bree that once were shoveled to the point where you can still walk across the cobblestone paths here and there, where there are cobblestone paths, are now covered in snow and covered in in ice. People slipping, falling. More than once... uh, a body is uncovered, somebody who doesn't have a home, who slept in the alleyways one one night too long. And that that kind of melancholy that comes with a lengthy winter 
begins to permeate around these towns to the point where it almost feels like not only maybe did you all bring this harsh winter with you or did you bring the sadness down from from Angmar? Gilly, you struggle multiple times over, we'll say, about a week before you and Arinio plan to leave. Mm -hmm. You've had some quality time with your parents. You've had some quality time with Oswald Freaker. You've seen Arinio in passing here and there enough to stay in touch. But every night for a good week, you're woken up with the sounds of ice crackling to the point where it wakes you up. You can rush around. You look, did a rafter collapse? Did, did, did the roof fall in? Mm-hmm. And all you see on your, you know, built upon your, your windowsill, your door, it's, it takes effort to climb out of your apartment in the morning. And over a week, you just, you barely get any sleep as every night crackle, crackle, crackle. Arineal, you're alone in the Chetwood. Mm-hmm. One night, you hear the sounds of crunching of boots outside. You go outside, you look around. You see boot prints everywhere. Everywhere. As if a dozen people had showed. But you heard nothing other than a single handful of steps. But it looks like there's just been someone circling, rounding, and rounding. And as you're like wandering about, looking at these tracks, what catches your eye is from the window of your home. You can see this tiny shine of this blue-green light that seems to flood out of the, the shuttered window between the seams of the lats. And since you're all alone and you probably only have a torch or a lantern in your hand, it's a very noticeable light, and it reminds you perfectly of that same lantern that was carried by that elk rider inside of Ang inside of Angmar and inside of Othran Gold. What do you do? Arunia uh, would run back inside. Run back inside. As you do, you take a few steps. You run into the cabin. You look. There's no one in here. You look back out the window where the light was coming out and you see in the distance in these bare trees, there's the light coming out from about 20, 30 yards away in the brush beneath these mounds of snow. You see it once more out there. Roll an awareness test. Oh gosh, that's a fail. I keep rolling ones on my D12s. <laughs> okay. What'd you like to do? Um, she's going to uh, grab her sword and run outside where this light is coming from. Okay. You grab your sword. You run outside, trudging through the snow, slipping sometimes on ice here and there, 
grabbing hold of the bark of, of a tree just to keep from falling. And as you look out, you can see this this pond near near the home where Talendil and Marimbin built. There's a this frozen, frozen pond. And you see walking across it as you come up. Not the light, you don't see any blue green light or anything like that. But you see a fairly large deer, elk, large antlers coming up from its head, walking across it. What do you want to do? Arunil has been working on her stealth, so she is going to uh, do what she does and try to get high ground, if there's any trees or anything here, to watch. You're in a forest called the Chetwood. There's plenty of trees if you want to climb. Yeah. And you just watch as... This elk walks across the pond. Anything else you want to do? You just get it. Now you see it from a high ground. She will bravely go around to the side of the pond where it will be exiting. Okay. Move around to the side where it's exiting. As you stand in front of it, it gets to about 10 feet from you, and you see it stop. It looks up, you see the reflection of your lantern in its eyes, this sort of orange glow, and it just sort of looks at you. You see it kind of tilt its head and tilts it the other way. You see it almost kind of sniff the air. And then slowly starts the list off to the left, which would be to the north, and walks kind of perpendicular to you, trying to find the edge of the pond. What in Arrhenia will just what? What do you think you're doing here? As she kind of now goes back to the front, so it's mm-hmm. facing her again. This time, as you step in front of it, it pauses, almost seems to like look down at your feet and then back up at you. It's bigger than you. It's a large mm-hmm. creature. Mm-hmm. Almost as if it's considering. You see it's covered in ice and snow as if it something like from a tree, tree limb just fell atop of it. And you can see there's wounds on it, bite wounds, cuts here and there that have have healed it lets out like a very heavy breath and then walks directly at you slowly and you hear clop 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 as its hooves go across the ice like this is a heavy creature on like a pond Yes, but it's been the fell winter and everything has been freezing much more thoroughly and quickly than the past. Okay. Likely the whole pond is almost frozen all the way to its depths. Okay. Um, Arrhenia will stand her ground in front of it, but she's not going to venture onto the pond. Okay. You stand your ground in front of it. It continues to get closer to you. It stops for a moment. 
it lowers its head, antlers now facing out at you, and it lunges in your direction. Go ahead and roll an athletics test to see if you can dodge out of the way of this thing. Alright, athletics is favored. And I am swift is one of my distinctive features. So I would like to spend a whole <laughs> to be swift. Yeah, it sounds right. Oh my gosh. Uh Exactly what I needed. Oh my gosh, I'm glad I asked with that hope. <laughs> you dive out of the way, you slam across the ground, and without without it really making any heavy sounds other than sort of it's it's very silent. It doesn't turn towards you or anything like that. Once you dive out of the way, you see it just begin to sort of trot and then bound and then move with a greater speed than you can keep up with off into the north with the Chetwood kind of disappearing into the darkness. Do, does Arrhenial, because there were some like injuries to it, some cuts and things. Yeah. It looked healed over. It could, it could be simply without getting close and being able to examine it as it's run away. More than likely it could just be like it survived an attack by a wolf or something like that. Okay. I, and Arrhenial is just sort of just because it this looked like the elk. Mm-hmm. It looked like a elk. You've seen a few of these. No, oh. it's very large, but it it was a living elk. You're a hundred percent sure of that. Yeah. When you return to the cabin, okay, you notice that the roof has caved in, and you see sticking up out of it is a large bow of a tree very tall trees that surround in all directions. And you can see that over top of where you would be sleeping, where your bed is affixed, this huge tree bough has fallen down and collapsed into it. And this not having been her home, this having been Maribem and Talendil's cabin, um, this will sort of momentarily break Arrhenial that this was their cabin that was still standing even if they weren't and now their cabin is now destroyed and so for a few moments she'll just sink into the into the snow and just catch her breath and just think and just gather herself, go back inside and just see if there's anything to salvage. Oh no, you can salvage things. You start to collect your, your things. You notice there's something missing. What is missing? You cannot find the Morgul blade. Gilly. You wake up one morning, mid-morning, late morning. 
your your father burst into the into the into your apartment almost without knocking like he kind of does the whole knock but then pushes the door open anyway mm-hmm. and he's like Gilly, my girl wake up what what it's all the news have you not heard no no what I did that the fella came into the town last night he was coming from the north coming down from the greenway getting dragged he was who who Oh, I don't know. I didn't go see him. I thought maybe you knew. You came from up there. They say he's mm. his. They say he's frozen. He's a frozen man. And at that, Gilly will immediately get up and go see who. So, your father kind of chasing after you here and there. It's like yes, yes, yes. Uh, they, they, uh, there was a horse, a workhorse of some kind. It was uh, shivering, and oh, they took it over. I think uh, one of the fellas over in Bree, they they managed to get hold of it, get some food and things like that. They said it was a, a man. He was covered in ice and grime, and he looked all sickly and like something terrible had befallen him. Something awful, something truly terrible. No one recognized him. Wasn't talking. Last I heard, they were trying to keep him, uh, keep him alive. And I know you got that little pearl of yours. It might help. You might be able to help the poor chap. I can't yeah, hear I... you. Speak up, girl. Oh, my goodness. Where? Where is he? Is oh. he? Oh, come. come the, the sweet roots have him. Okay, come okay. on. So you kind of run down the road in the direction of the sweet roots, which are in Coombe. So it's a bit mm-hmm. of a hike for you. You're running, you're running, and eventually you knock on the door, and you can see Alcott, Graham. They're there. They let you in. You probably haven't seen them much, and they've got this very dark look on their eyes. And like Alcott's the healer. You remember Graham's helps you out with other things, and she's mm-hmm. just, oh, it's a, it's a terrible sight. I don't know what, I don't know what's happened to him. He's his skin is all discolored and can I he's can covered I oh I'm talking still girl let me describe something skin's all covered in wounds and discoloration and uh, he's, uh, I had to, to fire up the old bath just to get him to thaw out but no 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 you can go in go ahead no go 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 and she kind of Motions in the direction. You go into the room where, if you recall, this is where I think Talendil was being nursed back to health for a little while when you brought him mm-hmm. back from Fornost. And Gilly did some healing learning with Alcott. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of a well-versed with their, with their home. And you can see as you, you, you go in, it's very warm in here. There's coals that are burning. There's uh, some of some of the man's things are kind of in a, in a heap on the side. They look just covered in filth and grime, blood. There's a bag or two that has long since been like kind of ripped to shreds. And I'll cut. Yes, yes. That, yeah, the poor horse was. Oh, they might have to put it down. The creature. 
I don't know. Uh, no saddle on it. I don't know if they were traveling together, if it was atop of him, or, or, or what. But the thing dragged him for... Oh, I think they found him about a mile or two north of the town in Greenway. And... Terrible sight it was. Terrible sight. And you, you, you sort of move up, and you can see that there's... He's been stripped of clothes. He's kind of underneath what looks like furs and covers. Everything other than his face. Mm-hmm. But the face is just covered in this... Everything's swollen, discolored. There's like growths here and there. Over the eyes and the nose. The features are so hard to determine. The hair itself, you can tell, has been sort of pulled out at times. You can see patches missing. There's horrible, horrible scarring along like the ears and the face. There's these like puncture wounds where it almost looks like something bit him. Mm-hmm. Part of the ear is missing on one side and the other. It looks like frostbite has taken a second. The hands, you can tell, are horribly, horribly wounded, have been patched up and cleaned. A few of them are missing fingers. What do you want to do? Uh, she wants to attempt to heal this person. Roll a healing test. Uh, she's going to spend a hope for a magical success. An extraordinary success. Okay. So as you kneel down next to the man, you get the pearl out. You start peeling back some of the bandages that Alcott has placed. The two of you kind of work together a bit. You can feel the warm glow of the pearl. You can tell that there are places. Alcott has done a very good job, but the the totality of the damage is, is considerable. Like there are mm-hmm. wounds that are festering, but you're able to kind of go back through, kind of clean up some of her work. You find some places on her on the ear that was taken from frostbite and you kind of carve out some of this other infected skin there's some kind of wounds along the face by the nose and the mouth like this sort of bubbling up of the skin almost blistering you try to like pierce it a little bit but pus starts to run and it becomes impossible to keep up with and that pus turns bloody and then you realize it's probably the bad tactic to take mm-hmm the whole while, like the chest of the man is kind of moving up and down, very, very light. After a few hours of working with, with Alcott, you do manage to sort of clean up some of the bandage, replacing everything. There's discarded on the floor are all sorts of old bandages, towels, cloths. You can see more than one pot has been re- filled and refilled with warm water. And eventually you're able to kind of look down at the man. So difficult to determine wounds all over. Roll a scan test. Okay. This is my next thing. Does she recognize if it's Sorendir? <gasps> I got, I would have failed, but I did get a, a 12. You got a Gandalf. Okay. I mean, maybe as you were healing him, the hope was kind of brimming. This is him. This is him. 
You see his clothes almost unrecognizable. And you realize that you do, in fact, recognize him. But it is not Sorendir. You realize as you peel away some of the some of the bandages that this was one of the individuals that you had stumbled across on your way up to Angmar when you accidentally shot one of their dogs with an arrow. One of those sickly folk who were covered in bandages here and there who were outcast from Bree, they said. Mm. And this was one of the ones that was speaking to you. There was a woman, there was a man, there were a few others that surrounded you. They let you go, but this mm-hmm. is one of them. And you can tell that there are wounds galore. They're unconscious, but they're alive and they will likely live. But you know that they have some condition and it's this condition that likely kicked him out. Okay. Um, do, is this condition contagious? Um, you can go ahead and roll a heal test. Cannot do a magical success on this one. This is just, this is more of a knowledge test as opposed to a skill test. Got it, got it. Uh, pass. Just okay. regular success, though. There's belief that it is, but you don't think so. Okay. So, Gilly kind of keeps that part to herself at this time because she's not sure how the Alcots would react. Um, But... She does, uh, well, yeah, no, she, she, she's like, she'll let them know. I don't believe it's contagious. Okay. So kind of sit around, you wait, clean yourself up. You hash it out with Alcott for a bit. Mm-hmm. Let's cut over to Floy. Floy. So you've got this lead. Would you, are you following up on it? Yeah, but something I could do solo. Yeah, it's within, it's within a day or two. Okay. They're, they're effectively your neighbors. It's probably something you could do. Sure. Uh, let me get my dwarf music back up here. I do have dwarf music. There it is. Okay, my dwarf music. So you and maybe a couple of the, you know, glad rock guards or cousins or brothers, maybe Eloy comes with you, whoever it is. You don't travel necessarily completely by yourself. Uh, it's wintertime, Blue Mountains. It's been a terrible winter. Few dwarves have come out. There hasn't really been any trade on the on the code of the, the landing outside of the entrance to glad rock where there normally is so much trade. But at this time of year, it dies down a little bit. Durin's day has passed. And you travel north and you eventually reach Cragstone Hall. And you can tell when you get there that there is a heightened sense of uh, alertness. As you can see that the gates, which are normally open to dwarves, are closed. And there are these guards that are kind of covered in both metal and what look like furs as they... Are, are kind of near this entrance here, kind of patrolling, watching. And they see you come. And they say, Ho there! Who are ye that comes to visit the halls of Clagstone? Is I, Floy of Gladrock, 
in my entourage. Floy of Gladlock, is it? I you heard, can see. I heard the tale that Floy of Gladlock had journeyed far and wide to the east, had been commiserating with elves in the west. Ye not, look not like that sort of dwarf. Ah, but the rumors are true. I've only returned. Have you now? Are you truly Floy of Gladlock? Roll a... What's it called? Uh, what's that skill called when you first meet somebody? Aw? No, not all. Oh, okay. No, it's not that. Courtesy? Courtesy. Courtesy. That's what Courtesy. I'm, saying. I'm like, it's not etiquette. That was last night. Right. Let's see. I think the ruby can help me here. Let me just refresh me on that. Uh, uh, you've got. Let's see. Oh yeah, you have the you have the necklace. Yeah, the twilight ruby. So I affects the courtesy skill two d six when using the skill in yeah. introductions. It's yeah, a marvelous yeah. artifact. Yeah, you've got it worn. And is it is it out above your mithril and your 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 furs, or is it underneath? It's underneath, but I can pull it out. Okay. Whoa, careful. Hey, put that away now. What's wrong with you? I thought Flo would be rocking the bling and I think he'd be hiding it. <laughs> he shows up. He's got the flavor of Flav necklace. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about that before. Okay. Courtesy, huh? Let me remember. I have one paper in it. Okay. And then Give you me have... an extra two with the auto success. Okay. So roll. Ten, seventeen, eighteen, which is a success. Okay. Well meant, Flory. You can see he starts looking at some of the others behind you and calls out some familiar names here and there. We mean no discourtesy here, but Cragstone has suffered a bit of betrayal of late, and we are being cautious with even uh, dwarf folk who come I've with heard about it. All you have now. I've come to assist. If I could speak to Thrombin. Thrombin. Indeed. What is what business is it of yours? I have to ask. Is I've heard of a a cleaver of sorts. One that could fell even race. I only wish to observe it, maybe. To give me more answers. You speak of cobards, ref- co- damn it! You speak of cobards. Lex, is it cobard himself? Yes. I'm sorry to say, that was amongst the treasures that these oathbreakers stole from within our halls. Not worth. Not worth the hair upon their chins they are. I've come to take care of them. I'll seek them out for you. Will you now? Out of the kindness of your own heart? Or are you looking for some sort of reward? Of course I need a reward. My doings are free. There's honesty in you at least. Just more than I can say that those who preceded you. If you're looking for Thrombin, you found him. Try me. 
These are my guards. And our time these past few days have been hampered, our investigation, you say, by the winter, by the snow, and by many a dwarf who seem not willing to tell the truth. Honesty will get you a far distance with me, sir. So I suggest you continue with it. I'll grasp hands for them. What is it you know of these Oathbreakers? They set up posts. They're acts of oath-breaking. Apparently stem from they're, they believe they've been wronged. They're committing these thieveries. But we've yes. encountered them, posted up. They stole toys. What are they doing with those? Settling them, I'm sure. We've found a few wagons driven by less scrupulous dwarves and men traveling here and there amongst our roads down to the villages of the Breelands, even to the Shire itself. We've found a few of them to be good, honest folk, recognizable. But others, well, others, hmm, they've been hiding things, because it ain't just toys they're stealing, Floy, but weapons as well, treasures. They might have started with something small just to fund this this movement of theirs. But now I fear they have higher aims. Have you heard about the one who leads them? Yeah, Snagit. Yes, Snagit. We have his brother in custody inside the walls. Swears he had nothing to do with it. Swears that he wants to help. You had dealings with Snagit, have you? First hand. Well, I'd like to get you, let you take the measure of the man, see if what he says is true, or if betrayal is in the blood of this family. What say you, Floy of Gladrock? Send me to him. I'll take you to him, is what I will do. And the rest of you, there's warm fires and mead for you on the inside. Hospitality of Cragstone shall extend to you all. So, you hear him just like bang really hard on the wall, the doors behind him, and they creak open. And you feel like a, a rush of warm air come in and hit you in the face you start moving down the halls weaving down these stone steps doesn't have that kind of gold inlay the way the halls of Harmelt had but you can see beautiful stones here and there affixed on the wall in ways that would make any treasure hunter blush a bit as you would imagine that some of these displays are worth a fortune he, Thrombin gets one of his, one of his other guards to kind of lead some of your retinue away. A few of them stay with you, of course, and you're eventually led to a chamber. Warm, because you can see this big roaring fire in the center. 
You can see these sort of chandeliers hanging down where candles are kind of glowing. This sort of rigid, sort of almost uh, brutalist-type stone statues carved into the wall of dwarves of old, ancestors of the Crackstone clan. And you can see that there's a few more of these guards that are kind of standing at attention around a central table. And they all seem to be looking down at at one dwarf. And Stephen, do you want to tell us what this dwarf looks like? All right. So you're looking at a middle-aged dwarf with just a real scraggly beard, very unkempt, uh, long hair that's thinning at the top, but still has some of that orange fire to it. Um, he He's wearing uh, modest clothing, like he's a dwarf, so he's still fairly well geared up, but you can tell that it's all secondhand. It's been repaired. It looks like it's maintained well, but nothing new. And he he is actually smiling. Like, he's not too concerned with this captivity here. He would see Floy come in and, why? I've never seen such a fine beard on a dwarf. Thrombin, you should take notes. Don't let his flattery fool you. He is a devious sort. It runs in his blood. Look at him. I kill him. Oh, well. It's a good <laughs> thing. He's got this other brother. This is Taggett. This is Maggot. This is Paggot. Guess he's going, there's this whole long line. He's like, so he says, uh, don't let his flattery sway you, Floy. You've met his brother, and he claims that his brother is misunderstood or this or that, and that he has got nothing to do with it. But he won't tell us where to find him. Won't you, Daggett? You fool. Well, Thrombin, I have to say, I don't really trust what you would do if you found him. What I would do if I found an Oathbreaker who steals from the Cragstone clan, takes the very ancestors' items that we have kept up lock and key and protected all my life. What would I do with him? Well, I tell him limb from limb is what I would do. But Thrombin, you forget. When a dwarf makes an oath to a lord, the oath is returned to that dwarf. The lord promises to protect, to be generous to the servant. The oath was not fulfilled to snag it. Not fulfilled? Are you trying to say the lord of Crackstone the Hole has betrayed your brother? This is a curious strategy to get on my good side. Maybe, Thrombin, I'm not trying to get on your good side. Floy, when did you meet his brother last? Ooh, if I remember. <laughs> I like to think that's exactly what Floy said. <laughs> hmm, let me see. <laughs> was that before the previous eel ship or after? That was en route to Forland, where you guys met. Okay. Months ago. Several months. This is actually before you got your mithril cleansed and the curse right. removed. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'll just retail when we met him on the road down to Forlan. Okay. And we've we've searched those reaches and haven't found anything. Daggett, 
Your brother took something very important. Several things, things that would help the Cragstone clan. But also it appears those that the Gladrocks would be interested in. That means your brothers made enemies of two very powerful groups of dwarves within the Bluestone Mountains. He's got very few friends left. I imagine whoever finds him is going to have quite a fun time exacting a bit of vengeance. If you want anything good to come of him, if you cared about him at all in his safety, you best start talking and telling us where we can find him. Lord Dwarf, you said your name was Floy. Yes. You have the finest mithril, the finest beard. You must be the highest of dwarf lords. I assume that your honor is untarnished as your attire. You think I leave me? But I'm merely an adventurer, the treasure hunter. Can I assume that your word is good? As good as a dwarf could make it, yes. Thrombin, I will make no deals with you. But if Floy secures it, I would be willing to take Floy to where I believe my brother may be. On the condition, no harm shall come to my brother. Make a roll, Daggett. Sounds like a persuade uh, to me. Did you put points in persuade? I did, and you know what? I'm going to spend a hope to take a magical success as well. You son of a bitch. How do you do this? Because I took broken spells uh, as one of my uh, dwarven virtues, which allows me three skills that I can spend a hope to get a magical success, and I chose Persuade as one of my three. Did you just choose that right now? You're like holding off and making the decision? No, no, you can check. You, I had it written in the virtue. Yep, I had it ready to go. So I, I was waiting for this moment. How does this manifest, this magical success? Like, how, like, what is it about Daggett? Like, the charisma, a glowing smile. What is yeah, it yeah. that sort of wins it over? What is it? There's actually... I, I mentioned how all of his clothing and armor is secondhand, and he actually has a stone necklace. It's just a series of stone rectangles, and they all have dwarven runes on them. And as he uh, starts saying his piece, those those runes just give off the faintest little glow. You can see Thrombin's eyes kind of look down, kind of look up at you. Kind of look over at Floy, and you can see, like, begrudgingly, he lets out this very heavy exhale. Master Floy of Gladrock. We will release Daggett into your custody. He'll aid you in finding his brother, and when he does, I suspect... You'll have a few choice things to say to him. And you'll return here with the treasures of Crackstone. 
and then we will discuss whether or not we'll be willing to lend to you the cleaver of Gorbor. But, and I warn you, betrayal is not something that we will take kindly to. We release him into your custody. He is your charge. You keep an eye on where he comes and goes, and if you learn of Snagit, we want to learn of it as well. Betray us, and we will make sure your family's holes are blackened for the next 500 years. I'll keep an eye on him. You'll be the first to know. Mm, we better. Meanwhile, Deckett, you're on your best behavior. I give Thrombin a week. Yeah. Come on, boys. We've got a few other holes to look for his shithole of a brother. And then they all start. You hear them like the heavy boots of the dwarf armor, the guards kind of moving away. Hut, 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 hut. After a moment, the camera starts to fade out. We see our two dwarves looking at each other, one with a winning smile and a glowing necklace staring up at Floy, the beautiful beard, glistening mithril male creeping out from beneath the furs, and a beautiful purple amethyst in the collar. And we will end there with the introduction of our new party member, and we'll pick up there next week. I'm sorry, lass. I can't hear you. You need to speak up. <laughs> we should have known you'd be related to Snagit. <laughs> should have known. <laughs> I, I had to. I had to force him back into the campaign somehow. <laughs> I like the cheerful, outgoing. The exact opposite of surrender. Yeah, <laughs> right. Isn't that great? Like it's gonna That's be so completely funny. different. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Hey, uh, so yeah, time for the fellowship. So I figure we'll pick up with Rineal and Gilly, probably mm-hmm. going to Blue Mountains, and then probably the next adventuring phase we'll be finding Snagit. Right? Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh, okay. So uh, why don't we do some closing plugs then? Uh, let's see what else we got going on Monday. Uh, you can catch us playing some Electric Bastion Land. As we're doing a little one shot, as we're taking, as we're kind of waiting to start our horror on the Orange Express until January. So we're doing mm-hmm. some one shots in the meantime. So we're going to do some Electric Bastion Land. So come hang out with that. Tuesday, Stephen, what do you got going on? Tuesday, here on Adventures in Lollygagging, 9 p.m. Central, we'll be playing more of the good, the mad, and the unholy, our Haunted West game. A uh, couple faces will be here. We've got Long, we've got Jeff. Uh, we're wrapping up our arc, so uh, this will be the time to come in and uh, join us. And we uh, will have a giveaway coming up, not this Tuesday, but coming up. So stay tuned for more Haunted West info. Very big giveaway. And I'll give you one hint. It's not dice this time, which we gave out previously. It's going to be something mm-hmm. else. Something else. Very excited. Uh, and then, uh, well, I think we actually, I think we can announce it, actually. I've got it confirmed. Do you want to just say what it is? Uh, we're giving away a copy of the Haunted West Core Book. Yeah. All 800 Yay, pages. So cool. 
800 pages. If you thought, and I, I appreciate this joke. No one laughed at it the first time, but I'm going to say it again. If you thought these boulders could could maim a person if you hit them with them, <laughs> try hitting them with an 800-page Haunted West book. Very beautiful book, by the way. Uh, That's so, yeah. so cool. So we're going to be doing it in the finale. Not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday is when we'll be giving that away. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I uh, think it's one more Tuesday after that. Is it? it should be the 27th. I don't know dates. Yeah, whatever that is. Whatever Steven says. Whatever the finale is, that's when we're giving away that book. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. And then Friday, we'll be doing our Regency Cthulhu. We're going to finish up that one shot. And we will be giving away our next set of Foundry Dice. Uh, so we're going to come back for that. And we'll be breaking hearts because uh, all we did was flirt with each other. It was pretty fantastic. <laughs> And, and long red poems. Long red long is literally playing a poet in that game, uh, which is extraordinarily delightful. And uh, he's just wooing women. Yeah. Well, he's you got know? he's got one. He's got one in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, Ashley? You got a young gentleman as well. I did. The two yes. of you have got some romantic options. And then Washington. Cthulhu will come and grab you. Uh, and all then right. I'll die. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, and then next Saturday, we'll be back to this. Uh, same as well. Uh, same as always. Uh, we'll be back to, to Wondering. Uh, sadly, Soren Deer is gone. We will not learn of his fate until it would make sense for us to learn of his fate. But I have... Uh, well, I mean, I know what happened to him. But the rest of you will not learn until uh, it would make sense in the story for you to logically know what happened to him. Pain. Yep. I have so much pain. Yep. Sorry. Even prediction. I wanted to bait you a little bit with the uh, uh, with the, the, the the horse and rider. You did. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was great. You did. Then uh, and then let's see. That I think that's about it. Yeah. So coming out on Monday, came out on Tuesday, came out on Friday, and uh, we'll see you next time. So we're gonna go ahead and raid. Uh, let's see. Who do we want to raid? Uh, let's do some boys from the Baltic Star. They're playing Quiet Year. That's a really fun game. Uh, nice little game. So we'll go ahead mm-hmm. and raid them. Follow the raid. Uh, if you haven't followed us yet on Twitch or on YouTube, please do so. If you can. Uh, if you can't. Eh, that's fine. Just come hang out and watch at least. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, follow the raid. We'll catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.